So the big question is this, how are real estate agents like us who didn't cheat and take on venture capital and are spending money from our own pockets, how do we compete with these billion dollar real estate tech companies and iBuyers in a way that lets us bring our services and the things we believe in out into the world and still remain profitable? That's the big question. And on this podcast, we'll give you the answers. Welcome to the iBuyer Experiment. Hey, good morning. We're so excited to be Hi. here today with Jess Lenavelle. She's the creator of the Listings Lab, author of More Money, Less Hustle. Jess specializes in helping agents go from six figures to seven figures. Wow. Are you not excited, you guys, yes. for today? So excited. Super excited, Jess. How's it going? Welcome. Fantastic. Thanks so, thanks so much for having me. I'm really I'm excited to be here. Well, yeah. we're certainly excited to have you. Yes. I just want to turn it over to you. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, 100%. So um, I grew up in the industry. Um, Mom's been a realtor for about 35 years. So, right. you know, grew up being dragged around <laughs> backseat of cars. Um, but back in the day before technology was a thing, I remember when my mom got my first, got her first like car phone. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, and the page the wire on it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Um, I started doing her paperwork at about thirteen. Never thought I'd get into this industry, but when I came out of school, I came out of school with one of those degrees that you know couldn't do a whole lot with. So, um, got into real estate. I sold real estate myself for about fourteen years. Um, grew my own multiple multiple seven figure team, which was great. And then had a, like a midlife crisis in my early 30s <laughs> and uh, <laughs> realized that um, I felt like I was sort of, uh, I guess I would say serving the wrong people. Mm. And I realized that agents were really who I felt the most drawn to helping, serving, you know, help them do what I did. So we started the Listings Lab and uh, we are now a team of inching up on 15 and we've got thousands of agents in our programs and loving life. Yeah, I love it. And, and you know, the other thing too, I mean, just what I can see so much about you, just even from looking at your Instagram, you know, pages, I mean, for starters, 65,000 people, right? I mean, that's that you got on there. That's to me, like you've created a, you know, a huge following and amassed, you know, just this ginormous following. And especially with so much today, being about like you know your own brand your own messaging all those types of things and especially in a you know in an industry right where we where we are our own brand yeah. you know maybe speak to that for a second like how did you how did you do that like i mean i gotta admit like i think it's hard to get 65 people let alone 65,000. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. i mean i think that the what i stand for in the industry is a little different so because i'm polarizing there's people who love me and then there's people who really don't. <laughs> so right. um, I think that's, yeah, I think that that's helped. Um, I, I, I harp a lot on the, you know, the traditional way of doing things and the way that, you know, indus the, the industry has been run for, you know, 30 years. And I think that there's so many agents and so many people who are still trying to have the real estate business that they, that someone else had in like the seventies mm. and the eighties. And like really trying to ignore or turn a blind eye to the fact that we live in a completely different world. Gosh. So, mm. you know, there's also a relatability to my personal brand. Um, I'm not, I'm definitely not the typical, you know, LA, Toronto, New York realtor. Mm -hmm. um, I built my business essentially like showing million dollar property in sweatpants. 
Um, and <laughs> yeah. I think I think that Keeping there's an real. element of <laughs> I think there's an element of like relatability and people, especially in the real estate industry, are looking for something that feels good. Yeah. And um, from a branding standpoint, like we really help agents create their own their, their own personal brands the same way that I've created mine. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of it has come down to just kind of authenticity. I'm, I'm not here to put people in a box or tell people that they need to show up a certain way. Um, I talk a lot about like owning your weird and I certainly do that myself. Um, I'm a crazy cat lady. I'm obsessed with my husband, like obsessed with my husband. And, yeah, that's good. You know, that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I, yeah. and, and, Jason's and, like, and I, you hear that? Yeah, Kayla? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> In a non-creepy way. But I, I think I'm, I'm so much of an open book that what you see is what you get. Right. Awesome. So, you know, if I'm in a grocery store and somebody like somebody comes up to me and they're like, are you Jess? I'm like, yeah, high five. Let's hug. Like huh, this is out. just, it's just, it's just sort of like who I am. And I think the other thing too, and I talk about this all the time, I have a lot of fun doing what I'm doing. And I think that in general, people are attracted to people who vibrate at a higher frequency than they do. And so That's there's strong. an element of like magnetism that happens with personal brands when you genuinely are happy and we have a really good time. And I think that 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 is that's helped the personal brand a lot. And I know that this isn't like your technical, you know, send this many DMs and connect with right. this many people to grow sure. an audience. But it's also very it's very true that, you know, people are attracted to people who are laughing and having a good time and, and showing up and are, are able to be successful as themselves, mm. as opposed to someone. I mean, we're all human lie detectors, I think, at the end of the day. Yep. <laughs> and when somebody's trying to, like, kind of fake it, we can feel it. And Absolutely. there's so and it's taken me a long time. Right. I, I'm not I'm definitely not one of those people who was born confident. So there's just sort of that element of, you know, show show up, show up messy. And, you know, people are it's about the message. It's not really about me. So what's what's the most polarizing issue that that uh, that gets people going with you. Yeah, that's so funny you asked yeah. that because that's what I was holding <laughs> like what, on to what too. What is yeah. going on? Like, yeah. what, give me some polarizing stuff. Yeah, Polarize I mean, us. I would say you know one of the one of the things that that I say a lot is that uh, I think there's there's an element of you know relying on repeats and referrals and things like that. In my opinion, is actually not running a business. Mm -hmm. Um, you have no control over so if somebody has that conversation, if that conversation gets to happen and what they're saying. So you're essentially relying on someone else to market for you. And I, I talk a lot about the fact that your repeats, your referrals, like your, the, the, the stuff that comes from your sphere is the icing. Hmm. But your marketing and using, using a predictable system to bring people into your world and convert someone from stranger to client is the cake. Um, so that would be number one, I would say, and people don't like it because people are very attached. Cause that to means they have to go. work, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that the people are so attached to this like ego thing around a hundred percent of my business is re repeat. Totally. Referral, mm, yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Whereas like, I'll say, well, if you're hundred percent of your business is repeat and referral, you're not running a real business. And it's, it, to me, it's a sign of laziness. Love hmm. that. That's mm. great. Walmart. That's the only way they do business. You're Amazon, right. That's I, the I, only way they do. There's business. a lot of people that go, oh yeah, my, my business is repeat and referral. You know, it's just like, 
like they're fancy. Uh, it totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm yeah, just saying, could right. you imagine if the conglomerates, right, like such as an Amazon, a Walmart, a Target, right, like they only did business through referral, right? Yeah. Like it's just, I mean, it's just such, I love that how you put that. It's just such a different, a different mindset, right? Like where you have, clearly you have to think much, much bigger. Well, yeah. let's, let's get a little tactical with that because I want to know, you know, it's a bold statement saying you take an agent from six figures to seven figures, right? Yeah, that's, 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 that's big. It's that's huge. Bold. And our audience, the people that are listening, um, by the way, thank you guys for listening and supporting us. We heart you. Uh, <laughs> they want to do that, right? Yeah. And so what are some kind of tactical takeaways that you could share mm. with our listeners? So I would say, you know, the way that we structure it, there's essentially six maybe seven different pillars to going from six to seven figures, right? It's not, I think so many people are, are only focused on lead generation, marketing, like think like mm. that side of it, but there's these all, there's all of these other pieces and, and just to kind of like a side note or a footnote, I'm not talking just going from six to seven figures. I'm talking about going to six from six to seven figures sustainably. And in a way that you actually work less, because I think that that's really important to note. I have hustled my way to seven figures. I don't recommend it. <laughs> um, it's, you know, you, there, there's nothing, there's a lot of burnt out, really exhausted agents out there who oh. are quote unquote successful. Right. So I think that it, the, like the caveat <clears throat> here is that we're talking about growing a seven figure, small lean team. I don't, we as a company don't teach large expansion teams. It is very like it's lean, it's efficient, but also in a way that you can take time off at any point and you're fully supported in your business it's not you're, you're not living in a situation where you can't you can't go to dinner and not answer your phone yeah. right so so i would say like the the six different pillars it really it and and of course marketing and lead generation is a big part of it but of it, it's definitely not all of it right so i would say like the the very first piece or the very first important pillar is mindset Right. And I know that there's nothing sexy about that, but it's really being able to understand how to rewire your brain um, for high performance, because and I, I we say this all the time, but a lot of people, once you get to a certain level, you don't have business problems. You have personal problems that show up in your business. hundred percent. Oh, that's strong. Mm -hmm. Say, so, that, say so, that again. Say that again. Mm. So you yeah. you don't have business problems. You have personal problems that show up in your business. Love it. Strong. Okay. So true. And, and so it's, you know, it's really important that first of all, we have clarity on what kind of a business we're building. Um, you want to be able to confidently hold your vision while you step into a leadership position within your, your small team. And a lot of this also comes down to what I talked about before, which is being seen as an authority and being, being successful because of who you truly are and not because of some role you're playing. Hmm. So that's pillar number one. Pillar number two is sales. Right. And I think with anybody like this makes sense, but a lot of this comes down to understanding human psychology and not just being able to spout off the same old scripts that everyone's using. Yeah. So when you have a, a true understanding of human psychology, decision making, you know, what people are saying and why you have really authentic and successful sales conversations. And I, and I say this a lot, right? Like, let's say that you go into listing presentations and you close at 70%. If you take that and you push that to 80% and you're also getting in front of an extra, you know, 15 people a week, that's a massive increase, massive. just that little bit. 
in terms of like the bottom line of your business. So it's being able to overcome objections, actually understanding the psychology behind objections and learning how to sell using content, community, connection, and being able to essentially, and, and I say this all the time, if you're a really good marketer, you don't have to be a really good salesperson. Mm. Because people are coming to you oh, and everything that we teach is inbound. Sold. Yeah. Well, I yeah. feel like that's us. Yeah. Like we're not salespeople. No. <laughs> like at all. And and, and nobody <laughs> wants a pushy a, a, like a pushy vacuum salesman at their door anymore. Yeah. No. No, it definitely no. is a thing of the past too. Yeah. So clearly to me, like when I when I hear you say this, right, like you, you, I've heard it for many of my coaches, you know, said a little bit different, right? Like when you were talking about the authentic conversations, right? Like true executive sales is getting people what you want them to do for their reasons, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, and it's something that's always stuck with me, like through some of the coaches, mentors that, that I had. However, in order to have the success that you're talking about, I mean, clearly you have to have a lot of system and process, right? Around those things. And sometimes that's the, you know, mundane, non-sexy things that a lot of agents don't want to do. They think that the business is nothing more than this, you know, silly silver tongue, you know, spitting fire, you know, like a type environment. And it just doesn't exist. So can, I mean, would you speak to a little bit about that? Like the system process that, that you, clearly you, I mean, in order to have a system, a predictable, yeah. duplicatable system, you have to start with the system. So well, hundred percent. And the, and once you have the building, the built, like the system built, which is not the part that most agents excel at, but mm -hmm. once you have that system, it can be automated. And then you do get to move out of the mundane stuff a little bit more and into your zone of genius a little bit more as well, right? So, so when we're talking genius. about like operations or systems and things like that, it's basically clear and scalable standard operating procedures for the people on your team to follow so that you're leveraged properly, but you can actually trust it. And that actually leads to you being able to step away from your business while your team runs smoothly, while the automation in your business runs smoothly. So really at the end of the day, what you can do is you get to hire light and keep costs low, which is the opposite of what most real estate trainings will teach you. They teach you to um, to outsource, right? Okay, well, well, now, 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 this is this is below your pay grade. Now outsource. I go about things a little bit differently, where I'm like, okay, can we eliminate? Can we automate? And then can we outsource? Which is date, which is uh, Tim Ferriss's way of of doing things. Eliminate, and, automate, outsource. Yep. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So, so really what we're doing is we're making sure that we're only outsourcing the things that actually have to be done by a human. It keeps your costs a lot lower, right? So if you think about it, like you hire, you hire an administrator who is, you're going to be paying 20 bucks an hour to do something that a piece of software hmm. can do for, you know, 15 bucks a month. Sounds Obviously like a conversation we were just having yesterday <laughs> afternoon, right? About automation and Absolutely. what's scalable, what's yeah. not scalable. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. And so Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. As I, I was going to say pillar one mindset, yep. pillar two sales. Then we've got um, operations and systems. Oh, we've got lead go. generation, right? <clears throat> so lead generation, which is going to be like, we, we sometimes break these into two, which is organic and then paid traffic because they're two completely different worlds. Totally. Right. So we've got the organic marketing side, which is, you know, how can you get, how can you get to a point where you're bringing in, you know, minimum five to 10 extra inbound deals a month just from your organic social media. And you don't have to have a huge audience to do that, right? And it's how you create more evangelism through your, through your social media where you're getting, I mean, most people that we work with are getting clients from referrals from people who haven't worked with them but are, but are in their audience. 
right? That's so awesome. we're building trust, we're building authority um, and, and making sure that people are being given organically what they need. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, sometimes TikTok, depending on the person and depending on the avatar, right? So, so that's yes. the organic side. Then we've got the paid traffic side, which is a whole other ball game, which is a, again, where there's a lot more automation in it. So how do we bring that person in as a lead, which at the end of the day doesn't matter. I think so many people are so caught up in the lead generation and, you know, so many agents will say, I need more leads. And I'm like, you don't need more leads. You need more yeah. clients. <laughs> yep. Right. And, you know, anybody can generate a cold lead. It's a matter of like, what are you doing with them to get them from stranger to client? Yeah. Do you understand the human psychology of decision making? Are you putting the right content in front of them at the right time? Is it automated in a way that like you're not having to pick up the phone and if you if you forget to call someone that that person then is gone and you've lost them. So so you know retargeting email campaigns, maybe sometimes messenger campaigns, depending on the market and making sure that the psychology is is really like really nailed in terms of the type of content that we're putting out in front of these people, which is not just listed just sold listings. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, like so, you said before, when when we were you know in like the the the, the pre of you know everything, so many people are trying to run their business like it's the 1980s and 1990s, yeah. and still thinking that that's how they they go about doing things. Yeah, well, I mean, and the thing is, is so, there's so many big brokerages are still teaching cold calling and door knocking. <laughs> yeah. As like the main source of how they're teaching brand new agents to, which is not truly scalable, right? Like, I mean, oh, oh a hundred, a hundred percent, right? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, like you said, it's, oh, it's, uh, yeah. it's, the, no, for it's sure. the power and, of and one. What one person can do. Well, well and, and then what they try to do is they try to build a team mm -hmm. of people who will door knock, door knock, and cold call for them, which again <laughs> is not, is is inefficient. So, so I think that like it, you know that part of it is so important that people actually understand that their business has to evolve with the way that the world evolves as well. Uh, and then I would say, so we're at what, four? So five would be clients and signature process. So what we do is every single agent has their own signature system, signature process, their own methodology, whatever you want to call it. It's named, it's branded, it's marketed alongside their name. This is actually one of the keys to creating scalability and being able to pass leads on to other people on their team. Because a lot of the time what happens is agents will, will run ads or will market and they, they're magic. And if they're magic, then no one else on their team is them. And totally. it becomes really difficult to actually scale, totally. which is why so many agents can't get out of production even though they're, yeah. they're building out a team. So what we do instead is, you know, we, we have the reason for the solution, like the reason for the results of the clients, which is a signature system, a signature process. And so then everyone else on your team can be trained and can be an expert at implementing that process. And then you brand it. So, yeah. And then people, people are buying into that process. They're not buying into only you. Can you give us a tangible example of that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm going to give you an extreme one because I think it works. Okay. It yeah. works well. So um, we had someone go through one of our programs. She is, uh, she's an agent in New York City. This is pre-pandemic. Okay. Um, so she went through, she, she used to be a lawyer. So she's very A-type and she only works with corporate women. Hmm. So A-type women who are very systematized and have no time. So what was happening a lot of the time is, you know, these properties would come up and they didn't trust anybody to go and preview any of them, right? Because like they wanted to be in control, yep. controlling women, right? We, yep. we all get it. <laughs> I get it, <laughs> I get it at least, right? And so 
And so what, what she did is she created a system where, you know, instead of, instead of them having to, to go through this whole process, miss out on properties. And she was working with some clients for like eight, nine months and she couldn't get them. She couldn't get them anything because they were missing out. So what she did is she created a system where very first meeting, just like every other agent does must, must haves would be nices, you know, things like that. But then there was like actually a number ranking to each and everything each and every you know requirement that they were looking for so then every time a property came out it was put automatically into a spreadsheet and into a system and given a number rating and they had an agreement that they only saw the top three and they had a specific time booked every like every like twice a week that they would only go and see three things Hmm. right so there was no previewing there was no nothing the the client was being sent a report at the end of every day with a ranking system which they loved because it was because they were they they were very reports and yeah. data driven as mm-hmm. people and then what ended up happening is her business absolutely exploded with this type of client mm-hmm. because people would go back to work and say oh my gosh i you know my agent she gets me she she built this exactly the way that i needed it and so all of her marketing was built around it. You know, her, her, pro, her process solution content was all built around it. The pain points of what was happening with a lot of these women because they didn't have time to actually go out and find something. Everything was systematized. Everything was packaged in a way that was perfect for that specific client. So that's just one example. Very cool. Love it. Well, she yeah. created raving fans, right? Through like, exactly. you know, it's, it's funny. So I actually have a question for you, especially with the following that you have. We spoke to technology and, you know, I think we've kept it very like, what, well, just getting to the point of my question, what do you feel like, or what's your take on this disruption, right? Like today's agent is not yesterday's agent. Speak to that with like, you know, like the USP is, is a, you know, unique selling proposition is a very powerful thing today. And with so many consumers looking for the done solutions, right? And there's all this modern technology out there that is solving people that's like the industry has this persona of maybe turning on transactional, yet everything we're talking about is keeping it personal, which is I think how we do fight back. So if you could speak to that, I'd love to hear it. A hundred percent. And I, and, and you just, you just nailed exactly what I talk about all the time, right? Like the disruptors are there because we've left a hole. Yep. Right. If agents remain super transactional and they all say the same thing and everybody can work from work with buyers, sellers, renters, investors from here to Timbuktu, and there's no specialization and there's no, there's no proven system behind anything that they do then all we're doing is we're opening the door for technology to come in and replace us. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, if we are actually going to, and and, and honestly, I actually wrote down in my notes section um, of, my, of my phone this morning, 50% of agents should quit. Hmm. And- Sounds about right my, to me. <laughs> my reasoning <laughs> be behind bashful. it, you know, I, and, and my reasoning behind it is not that I think that agents aren't valuable. I think that 50%, maybe 80% of agents aren't. And if we, it, you know, what they're doing is they're taking business away from the people who really are, yep. and they're actually making the rest of the industry look bad. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. So, and, and I don't know if you guys have uh, heard about the new data that came out. 91% of the commission income is earned by the top 50% of realtors. Yeah. So that 50% you say should quit, they're only collectively making 9% of the commission income. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, but, exactly. But they're ruining the right. some yeah, of the processes, the, and and some of the consumers are saying like, well, I, I don't want to use an agent anymore because 
they had a bad experience. And if you look at the stats, they're snagging yeah. what a deal every eight months, right? Right. Give or take as far as that goes. And they, when you're getting that type of experience, think about the ripple effect of one deal. They will get that. And like you said, those deals most of the time are only coming from referral or, Hey, I'm a, uh, I, I'm a full-time something else and my coworker is doing this. And then all of a sudden there's an issue in the inspection that r does require a pro, right? And the ripple effects of these types of things, which is why we have to carry some of the insurances and all these other things that we do, not to mention, right? It's, it's, there's a huge difference between being a, I hold a real estate license and a practitioner, somebody that takes it serious and studies it and, you know, goes out and runs their business as a business on a day, on, on a daily. So. Well, I think too, what, what comes up so often is, you know, agents are so upset that they're not treated with more respect, mm. right? And that they're like, right. the, the industry is seen in not the light that we want it to. And they'll say, you know, you know, I don't do that to my lawyer. Well, your you lawyer <laughs> performs yeah. very differently. You don't, you know, I don't, I don't know of very many part-time lawyers. Exactly. <laughs> your lawyers are niche down. Yep, right. Yep. And I think that that's also something to remember is that, you know, your lawyer specializes 99% of doctors specialize, you know, you want to be seen as this incredibly elite professional industry, then, you know, you have to start treating the business like that. The whole industry has to shift towards, you know, what do you do? Who do you specialize? What problem do you solve? I like that. I think what likely gets in the minds of, of realtors when they hear that is, well, if I specialize in this, mm -hmm. then I'm missing, missing out, out. right? Yeah. There's that fear of loss. Mm -hmm. So speak to that. So mo a lot of people think that when you focus on a niche, you're going to limit yourself. And it, the, it's actually the opposite that's really true. When you target a specific group of people with a particular solution, so you're solving a specific problem, that they're actively looking for, it actually makes marketing a lot easier. It makes scaling your business a lot easier because the systems can be automated. You're not dealing with 50 different people with 50 different systems. You can actually speak directly in a, from a marketing capacity to them using their language. You can actually create real connection, right? So really good marketing, all it is, is being able to articulate what's in the back of someone's head better than they can. Right. That's when you get like the head, like people start nodding their heads yep. and you can't do that if you're trying to speak to everyone, because in, we've all heard the cliche. If you're trying to speak to everyone, you speak to no one. Right. So yeah. what you're able to do is actually get more referrals because people know who you are, who you help, what you help them with. You, uh, you like you attract more PR, you attract more, you know, you just like everything becomes bigger when you actually scale. And you're going to earn more with less marketing and you're not going to lose those other people. Those random people who are still going to come in and work with you are still going to work with you. The person who who's choosing you because you're their cousin's friend, that person's still going to work with you because they're your cousin's friend. They're not, it's not going to change the rest of your business. What it's going to be able to do is dominate one niche and create a lot more automation and a lot more scale within that niche. I say this all the time to people that I work with. Imagine if I was just a business coach and I didn't specialize in real estate. Mm. Would you work with me? Mm. Probably not. Probably not, no. 
I'd be another one of the million business coaches that has no clear messaging and no clarity that's floating around Instagram trying to get clients. Yeah, when you speak to only generality, <laughs> right? Like that's 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 really strong, actually. I I love that one actually because because you're right. There's so many people out there that are attempting to be influencers or a coach, right? And they don't have the the, the clear, pet, you know pedigree to even to be in that position right mm -hmm. like they weren't that practitioner like what niche are uh, niche are you you speaking to right like yeah. that's one of the things i love about you know keith is you know i mean he he's he's stayed in a niche market his entire career and yeah. you know he's crushed it you know on and you know because of that so it's literally marketing 101 but it seems like the entire real estate industry has like just I don't know, missed it. Well, it's, it. it's FOMO. They have yeah, fear of FOMO. missing out. Fear of missing out on a deal that falls outside of your normal realm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I have people every once in a while and I'll explain to them why, you know, why having a niche is so important. They're like, well, I speak to everyone and everyone comes to me. Oh, okay. And, and I'm like, so you have an eight figure business. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no. And I'm like, well, <laughs> so what am, so what am then, I what am I missing? So then? talk to yeah. us a little bit about the most powerful niches. Yeah, I mean, so we niche down. We tend to teach niching down, not in terms. So so I, again, old school versus new school. Um, old school niching is you know geolocation, okay. right? New school niching is human demographic, right? So back in the day, Big we data. had to before we had the internets. The, the interwebs that we're all using, <laughs> everybody had to niche down in terms of location. It was the only way to be consistent and frequent because you had to be able to walk it or mail it or call it. And that was the only way to do it. Boom. Certain zip codes, certain postal codes, certain geo farm area. Nowadays, we have the internet. We have the ability to reach people on a larger scale, be consistent, be frequent, retarget, email, get things in front of the right people at the right time. So we niche down or we teach niching down in terms of human. So in terms of life transition, are they upsizing? Are they downsizing? Are they first time buyers? Are they first time investors? You know, what, like, what is, what is it? Because if you, if you look at one neighborhood, you could have upsizers, downsizers, first time buyers and flippers and all kinds of people in, in that one neighborhood, all the pain points are different. All the problems are different. All the reasons for moving are different. Right. So it's impossible to create really good psychological marketing that way, which is why we've moved over from that to um, to actually what is the life transition? What like why is this like what is actually driving this person's move? Okay, so Keith has been really quiet this podcast. And we don't have much time left, so I'm I'm hoping you can do a little exercise for us, Jess, and put Keith on the spot a little bit. So I would imagine that when you're going through this process, you start a self-discovery process with the yeah. agent. So let's like say Keith is coming to you and he's saying, "Hey, Jess, I want to niche down. Mm -hmm. What do I do? What What do you yeah. What do you How does that go with Keith? Okay, so the first thing that we would want to look at is obviously what demographic do you fit in right and, and that like who is going to resonate with you and then also look at your market because if 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 you live if you want to serve a marketplace that is mostly young professionals and who you know it tends to be like a younger demographic i'm not going to help it doesn't matter how much you want to work with downsizers it's not happening right yeah. so we also have to make sure that there's enough business to sustain the scalability of what you're trying to create 
So that those are the, the two major things is who do you really love working with? So who do you love working with, Keith? <clears throat> well, without overanalyzing it, somehow for most of my career, I've probably attracted people maybe slightly younger than my parents who mm -hmm. are um, in a transition of kids moving out and it could be an upsize or a downsize, but mm -hmm. they're almost 100% of the time always older than me, probably within 10 to 20 years. So that's who you've traditionally worked with. Is that who you want to, who, who you actually really want to work with? If you wanted to build a whole other arm of your business, is that who you would choose? That's what I've really enjoyed. Okay. Uh, he's, yeah. an, he's an old soul. Yeah. <laughs> he's got people well, writing him in his will. He's got yeah. clients. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I have some crazy stories. I have no idea how it's happened. Okay, so so that so that sounds like you've got like an older an older generation, maybe like a boomer type generation, um, maybe a little younger than that. Yeah, a little. Um, what for the most part are they doing? And and what like are they are they moving? Are they staying local? Are they moving out? Uh, local. Local. Most okay, of so the they're time, staying yeah. local. Um, and what, so, so the, the piece that we're missing here is the market research piece, which is also right. incredibly important. So I'm making assumptions that sure. we normally wouldn't make, of course. um, because really at the end of the day, the message comes from the market. Yep. Um, so what, so, so they're staying local. Now you said some of them are upsizing. Some of them are downsizing. Are, are they mostly empty, empty nesters? Um, it's kids are moving out. It's actually kind of split. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I would make you choose one. Uh, uh, upsizing. Upsizing? Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is what I, what I, and, and so what we would do is instead of, is because you went the upsizing route, we would open that upsizing door up a little bit more. So what we wouldn't do is just do the older generation upsizer because that would probably niche you down too far in most markets. So what we would do is because you want to work with those upsizers, we're going to open the door a little bit more and, and just have upsizers in general be your niche because you will naturally niche down yourself. You know, if I was, you know, a 300 pound, like muscly man who yelled a lot, chances are my client, my client base wouldn't be my client base, right? It <laughs> would be a different, I, I would be attracting a different type of person. So we naturally niche ourselves down even within the niche. So we all, always want to be careful that we don't go too narrow. So what I would say for you is like, let's go like full, let's go upsizers, which for most people, it's lack of space. Mm -hmm. So there's something in their current situation that's not serving them. We need to figure that out. And then we want to go seven layers deeper. So if it's a space issue, which most upsizers it is, we would obviously need the market research to back it. But if it's a space issue, what are the symptoms? of the lack of space. What's happening because there's lack of space? You don't only just want to talk about the space, right? So um, is, I don't know what your market, what the homes look like in your market, but like, let's say that there's one bathroom mm -hmm. in, in, some of the, in some of those houses, right? Like, what does that look like? What do the fights look like? <laughs> um, if, if there's some of them have kids and they're younger kids and they're needing more space, like they're stepping on Lego, you know, their, their dining room has become a playroom. Like we want, like that's where the market research really comes in to figure out like what is the day to day so that someone will will read a piece of content or read a piece of marketing and go oh my gosh that's me like <laughs> yes. that's what's happening with me and then what you do is you have a situation where you understand what the major problems are what are the fears so we always want pains problems fears and desires so what are the fears 
Is it that they're not going to be able to carry a larger home? Is it, you know, is it financial? Is it, is it the logistics of selling their home because they have kids or, you know, it's a mess or whatever, whatever those major pain points are. And sometimes there's going to be more than one. And so you create different pain point content for different people because people will ignore the stuff that doesn't resonate and then they'll attach themselves to the stuff that does. So we go through that process and then you have your signature system that is the solution to the problem, which is usually, you know, five to seven steps of, you know, what do you do in what order and why you create a guide Mm -hmm. on exactly what that is, creates a really great lead magnet um, and it preempts you everything that you do. So you never walk into a, you never walk into a listing appointment if they haven't read the guide, okay. right? So it goes through exactly what you do as well as each of those steps also becomes content, also becomes marketing content, what it is, why it happens, so the social proof behind why it's important, like what did the testimonials and the case studies from different clients that you've worked with say, all of that. So it like basically like those pieces become everything else. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. I've, been yeah, a, a, I've been a sponge the whole podcast. That's why I've been quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's Elliot and I talk too much. <laughs> well, we all know that's true. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> the only thing we had we didn't talk about is the sixth pillar. So oh, I yeah. just want to throw that. Go for it. it. Yes. Number six. Because I think people will be like, well, that was only five. So the last one is team and hiring. Mm, gotcha. Right. So team and hiring, which is your scaling. So yeah, it's basically leverage. like know when to hire, um, who to hire, right people in the right seats, avoid churn. It's really expensive to replace people on a team. Um, and then mm. uh, the other part of it is culture, like team culture, inspirational buy-in. Um, you know, all of this comes down to who do you need? Who are the right people in the right seats? And how do you create like a little family instead of just a bunch of people who you're trying to take care of from a business standpoint. Beautiful. Love I it. I love it. Oh, this has been such a great yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so for having me. Where, where can, where can the listeners, you know, uh, tune into your journey, find you all of that stuff. Yeah. So I would say easiest place is going to be my Facebook group, okay. which is just called the listings lab method for real estate agents. You have to be licensed in order to join that group. Um, and there's, you know, probably hundreds and hundreds of trainings in there. So, Awesome. It's a fun Beautiful. place to be. Wonderful. Well, Jess, thank you so much for being here. Yes. Hey, awesome. go join her Facebook group. That is, I'm sure there's gold in there. And yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Listing lab. Listing lab. Phenomenal info. Cool. Yep. Thanks yes. for your time today, Jess. We appreciate you. you having on, having you on here and the iBuyer experiment and uh, have to have you back because there was so much gold in there and uh, we'll Anytime. see you again in the future. Anytime. Thanks, guys. We truly appreciate you taking the time to be with us here today on the iBuyer Experiment podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe so that you're notified when we launch a new podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Show you the money.